Turnbull Canyon, Whittier, California. Known for its ample sycamore trees and stunning landscapes within the Puente Hills Preserve, Turnbull Canyon currently stands as a four-mile hiking trail that is a big draw in the active community in the area. A quiet respite from the hustle and bustle of Los Angeles, it would seem a perfect place for rejuvenation. But by digging a bit more into its rotted soil, you begin to uncover the horrors that riddle its history of tragedy, legends, lore, and the paranormal. In the mid-1840s, there were many conflicts over the ownership of land in California, which, at the time, belonged to Mexico, which the U.S. was trying to annex. Early in 1845, William Workman became captain of a small group of Americans and Europeans serving with Governor Pio Pico in his fight against Governor Manuel Michael Torrena in the battle at Cuajanga Pass during the Mexican-American War. Following the battles against Michael Torrena, Pio Pico was appointed governor of Alta California and handsomely awarded William Workman 49,000 acres of land for his hard work and leadership in the war, which included what people now know as Turnbull Canyon. The Gabrielinos, the local Native American tribe residing in the area, were understandably upset given that prior to Workman's arrival, their land was invaded by Spanish conquistadors and it was recounted in a letter the brutality of the Spanish soldiers to the natives and unfortunately, their families. And given its sacred grounds spilled blood and turmoil, the area is said to be haunted by Native Americans, and hikers often feel they are being watched from afar and sometimes even chased with no one behind them. The history of how the canyon received its name is also a bloody interesting one. In the late 1800s, Robert Turnbull was a shepherd who moved to California seeking to make money in real estate. The first patch of land he bought was located in L.A. near the Macy Street Bridge, now known as the Seaver Chavez Bridge. Not long after moving to California, Turnbull gained a reputation as the town drunk. It is said that people who had known Turnbull and did business with him never saw him completely sober. Now, I'm not calling out this man's demons, but this is very important to our story. At around the same time Turnbull was making his way into real estate, the owners of the Temple Workman Bank, remember William Workman, the man who received nearly 50,000 acres for his work in the Mexican-American War, well, Workman and his son-in-law were poorly managing their business. In 1875, the state's economy collapsed and the bank was unable to meet the demands of the townspeople. Unable to save their business, the bank was closed in January of 1876. In May of 1876, Richard Garvey told Workman that Elias J. Lucky Baldwin, a landowner investing in the L.A. area real estate market, was going to foreclose on his property. And a couple of days later, Workman grabbed his revolver and took his own life. Following the downfall of the Temple Workman and the death of Workman, Turnbull was appointed to an advisory committee that consisted of the bank's largest creditors. The committee was to work toward getting the townspeople their money back, which still remains to be seen. But being a part of the advisory committee, Turnbull was able to buy land for cheap. That is when he decided to buy Turnbull Canyon, which cost him almost nothing. In 1885, two Quaker men, Akilla Pickering and Jonathan Bailey, were searching for land in California to start a new colony. They purchased land surrounding the canyon, and seeing that the canyon had the water reserve they needed to start their new settlement, they approached Robert Turnbull and offered to buy the land. Knowing the value his land had, Turnbull refused to sell. 
For two years, the Quakers continued to make Turnbull offers, and in June of 1887, they presented Turnbull their final and highest offer of $30,000. It's about $1 million in today's currency. Turnbull finally accepted. And on January 18, 1888, Robert spent the evening as he normally did, a bit toasty. And on his way back home, he fell off his horse and was arrested for public drunkenness. The next morning, after spending a night in jail, Turnbull returned home with a broken, bruised, and bloodied face. You see, he had been beaten, but could not recall how. As a result of his injuries, the next day, Turnbull succumbed to a brain aneurysm that the coroner said was a result of the hit to the head. The aneurysm caused Turnbull to fall off the Macy Bridge and into the L.A. River, and coroners concluded that Turnbull had been murdered. When the Quakers got the news that Turnbull had died, they decided to name the canyon after him, since he was so kind enough to sell that land. Flight 416 On April 18, 1952, the L.A. International Airport Control Tower lost contact with Lewis Powell, captain of Flight 416. The plane was expected to land in Inglewood, California at the L.A. International Airport sometime around 3.30 a.m., but it never arrived. Captain Powell last made contact with the tower at 3.33 a.m., saying that the plane was positioned over the city of La Habra. Several radio calls were made to Captain Powell and his crew, but a response never came. At around 10 a.m. that same morning, a rancher named Hayden Jones was driving around his Whittier Heights ranch when he saw smoke rising from the hills. Concerned, he climbed up a hill to find flames and pieces of steel smashed into the hillside of the canyon. Apparently, nearby residents awoke to the sound of a plane crash. According to police reports, some thought a bomb had exploded, and others who suspected it was a plane were unsure because it was so unlikely that a plane would crash into the canyon. As authorities cleaned up after the crash, they found it was difficult to pin down how many passengers had been on board. Had it not been for a document with all recorded passengers, they might have never known because the passengers had disintegrated in the flames. There were a total of 29 people on board Flight 416. All passengers were said to have died at the moment of impact. The Hunt for Hell's Gates Between Skyline Drive and Descending Drive, the meandering path is said to lead to Hell's Gates. However, the path is not paved with skulls of the unbaptized babies, nor it is not strewn with dried blood or satanic markings, as some rumors suggest. Those who hope to come across Satanists will find the dusty trail leads to a gated fence topped with rusted barbed wire, covered with signs saying private property and beware of dog. Those signs attempt to dispel those looking for adventure, but instead further entice reckless individuals to trespass, and it's easy to see why. The looming, ransackled gates provoke curiosity, and the dense overgrowth make it nearly impossible to see what lurks behind. Rusted chains loosely hold the gates shut, the broken warning signs swing perpetually with the breeze, and there is no sign of guard dogs anywhere. Some believe that the legendary insane asylum wait beyond those gates, a place where mentally ill patients were mistreated until it burnt down in the 1940s. The canyon is also no stranger to murders and attacks. To name a few on the grizzly list, on October 12, 2002, a 17-year-old was shot in the head on Turbo Canyon. In 2009, a woman was stabbed and slashed with needles and left to die. And in 2011, an unidentified woman's body was found hidden in one of Turbo Canyon's ravines. The strange thing about this one was that parts of her body were missing. She was found 10 feet deep in an embankment and her body heavily decomposed. Her identity has yet to be discovered. 
In addition to these real-life gruesome tales, there are a multitude of lore without much historical significance. This includes a ghost of a man lurking around his hanging tree who can only be seen during the time of his suicide, a gravity hill that pushes cars backwards, and of course, haunted burial sites. All lore that surrounded and encompassed the canyon. I believe my research is beginning to find an interesting pattern here. And I think, depending on your belief of the paranormal, it could lead us down two paths. The first is that Native American sacred land stained with blood has bad things happen on it, and we compound those bad things and build its scary reputation and lore. The second is, Native American sacred land stained in blood is a vortex of all things negative to happen. I do know that when bad things happen in an area, it is more prone to negative energy, whether that be paranormal or just story creation. Regardless, please be careful if you do plan to hike on Turnbull Canyon, you may have someone or something close on your tail. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to all of our new followers and listeners. I'm so happy to be able to share my love for history and the paranormal with you all. A big special thank you to Darren Curtis for providing the music to this podcast. If you have information on local lore near you or just want to drop me a line, email me at brian at findinglocallore.com. Stay safe, everyone. It's scary out there.